Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Christ has risen and ascended. He has risen and ascended indeed, hallelujah. That's how I would answer that one. Yes, Jesus Christ is risen and on the 40th day ascended into heaven. That was this past Thursday, the day of ascension. Jesus ascended into heaven. We look forward to the day of Pentecost, which is next Sunday, the 50th day after the resurrection. Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit came upon the church and that people spoke in tongues, speaking languages that they had never been taught. I don't want to get ahead of myself, though. That's next week. Our gospel lesson today comes from John 17, which continues the upper room discourse in which Jesus was speaking to his apostles on the night when he was betrayed, suffered, and died. In this uh, lesson, we have part of what is called the high priestly prayer. In fact, in your pew Bibles, that's the heading, is the high priestly prayer. Jesus prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. We know that within the span of hours, Jesus would be betrayed, that he would suffer, that he would die on the cross. Of course, we also know that he would be raised from the dead, that he would appear to the disciples, to hundreds of them at one time even, and that 40 days later he would ascend, where he forever would be at God's right hand. Not a physical location, like chained to God's right hand, but that he is at the right hand of power of God the Father. So is that the glory that Jesus prayed for when he said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son? Is that the glory he was praying for? In part, we know that, that he has been glorified in that way. But how you answer this question and where the glory of God is revealed says a lot about your theology. How is God glorified? Uh, remember, this is Jesus' prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Yes, Jesus is glorified being at the right hand of power being at God the Father's right hand in the heavens. But Jesus also prayed that he would be known because it is in knowing him that a person has eternal life. Those are the words that, that he uses in this prayer. So how does one know Jesus? And how does Jesus show us the Father in heaven? And the answer to this is the cross. In suffering and dying on the cross, Jesus showed the Father's love. Now this message is foolishness. We're told in the scripture that this message is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, this is the very power of God. Throughout the scripture, we hear of God, God's hesed, his steadfast love. 
We see it when you look at how he treated the Israelites. How many times did they turn away and how many times did he call them back? He didn't kick them to the curb and forget about them. He called them back and they did come back. And we see that. We see his steadfast love, his love that doesn't abandon us even when we're in sin, that stays with us. We see that in the scripture. Particularly in the Old Testament, the way in which he continually came to Israel over and over again. But we see it most poignantly in the cross. We see it most poignantly in Jesus suffering and dying on the cross. This is where God's love is revealed most strikingly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This might seem like a paradox that God's love is revealed through suffering, but it's... It's the testimony of Scripture, and, and it actually is not a paradox. It, it makes sense to those who fear God. You know, the, the proverb, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, or the beginning of knowledge, is, is fearing the Lord. And, and that's not simply a fear of, you know, a jump scare or something like that. This is a reverent awe of who exactly God is, the creator of the heavens and the earth, it's, it's a reverent awe for God, and it's a recognition of his holiness. When we see his holiness, then we see why it was necessary that Christ should suffer on the cross. I mean, what kind of judge would just sort of look the other way and say, well, I'm just going to ignore that sin. Nah, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. What sort of judge would that be? An unrighteous judge, a dishonest judge, a judge who lacks integrity. God can never be that. God is perfect, holy, and righteous. He can only be a righteous judge. He can't look away from sin. So he leaves us to wallow in our sin? No. He gave us a Savior, Jesus Christ. And come back to the cross, and we see Christ on the cross, suffering and dying for your sins, And I say, that is revealing God's love more poignantly than in any any other way. And and in so doing, in revealing that, yes, this, this God who loves in a steadfast way, so that even a people who turn away from him and fall away into sin, he continues to love and bring them back and gather them back to himself, that God... And his love is expressed to us on the cross where Jesus Christ, God the Son, didn't, uh, to, to use Paul's words to the Philippians, he didn't account his equality with God as something that he should grasp and cling to. But he said, I'll lay aside that divine prerogative and suffer and die on the cross for your sins. Now we see Jesus, in his perfect obedience, is is God in the flesh suffering and dying for us. We see God the Father, whose will it was for Jesus to do this, expressing his love for us. See, love now has an 
an object. We can see that love. It's not just this ephemeral quality that's described. Oh, God is love. God is love. We throw that around like like it's just some cliche remark, like you can put on a Hallmark card or something. No, 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 no. Yet God's love is real. God's love is so powerful that it, it is objectively seen in the cross where Jesus died for our sins. So we come back to the high priestly prayer where Jesus says, glorify me. And how is he glorified? (laughs) By suffering and dying on the cross, by his perfect obedience, by his perfect willingness to go to the cross with a purpose, to take upon himself all of your sins, to bury your sins, to be the savior that you need. Yes, God is steadfast in loving you. And when you want to see that, if you want to see what that looks like, look at the cross, because that's what the cross shows us. It shows us God's steadfast love poured out in the blood of Christ for your sins. Now, God's love is revealed in the cross, which is the means of salvation. And his love doesn't end there. His love doesn't end just saying, well, you're saved, so that's good enough. Don't worry about anything else. We sometimes might have that impression because, in fact, we do go through life suffering. We do feel pain. We feel despair. We still keep in prayer Renata's family. They loved her. They're mourning her loss. Those of you who were here in this congregation knew her and loved her. For many years, what was it, 72, 74? What year did she join, 74 or 72? Well, it was either 1972 or 1974. In any event, it's been a long time that she was here. And we suffer that she's gone. That's just one example. We suffer in a variety of ways. But God's love speaks to that too. And Jesus in this prayer says, I am praying for them. Not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. That's you. You are those who have been given to God. And given to Christ. By faith, you've been given to Christ. So when Jesus prayed this, he's praying for you. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Now listen to this prayer. This is Jesus praying for you. Keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one. See, you live in a fallen world and you will suffer. Uh, You'll suffer as a consequence of your own sin. You'll suffer as a consequence of other people's sins against you. You'll suffer as a consequence of just general sin. That is the cause of earthquakes and hurricanes and death in general. 
But no matter what befalls you in this age, in times of suffering, in times of despair, know this for certain, that God is with you. That's what Jesus was praying, and that's what God is doing, is being with you in your baptism, in the word preached as you read the scripture, God's word to you, as you hear the scripture, as you come and receive the sacrament, God comes to be with you and is in and with you. So you are not left alone. Even in the midst of despair, you are never left alone. Notice that Jesus prayed for what? For you to be kept in the faith. That's That is what is paramount, is to be kept in the faith. Holy Father, keep them in your name. That's his prayer. In in other words, in the midst of suffering and despair, even while you experience the ups and downs and the downs particularly of this life and this age that we live in, know that God isn't far from you and know that God is there with you that God will see you through, and that Jesus' prayer is primarily not that the suffering would be removed, but that you'll remain in the faith in spite of the suffering. Never feel like suffering is God's, you know, just God's judgment against you. Why do, uh, what's the book called? Why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, you get the idea. We would take issue with that exact phrasing of it. No, that's the wrong question. Why do good things happen to bad people? (laughs) Because we're all sinners and we've confessed that. We are all sinners before God. Why do good things happen to us? And the answer is expressed right here on the cross because this is how God loves you by giving Jesus Christ, by taking your sins upon himself on the cross. That is the manner in which God loves you. So even in the midst of despair, you feel that and know that, that God is loving you and is near you. The last thing I will say here is that you will notice also that he prayed for you to be united with one another. That means the church. That means church with a capital C, all believers and especially church right here in the local parish to be united with each other. What level of intimacy ought we have with one another? How close should we be to one another? Listen to Jesus' prayer that they may be one even as we are one. Jesus is saying, let their closeness be one even as God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is one God. That's how close we are. When one person suffers, we all suffer. It's a high mark that we are called to as a church. I will close simply by saying that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Remember that through all of your life. Don't ever turn away from that. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Savior. 
The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.